the sky falling. People are asking. We'll talk about <laughs> it and what to expect Saturday night as Ohio State squares up against Georgia in the college football playoff in this edition of the 11 Dubcast. I'm Andy Vance along with Johnny Getter. Johnny, uh, first off, I hope you and your family had a Merry Christmas. Uh, Same my, to you, buddy. Well, after my extended uh, hi- hiatus, my hat's off to Chase for filling in the last couple of weeks. It's good to be back here in the... You don't have to tell us which uh, foreign dignitaries you, like, assassinated, <laughs> but I just want you... How about this? If you could, like, put in some kind of, you know cipher for us to decrypt some elaborate code <laughs> that we can kind of like figure out and then then your legacy will be secure that's all I, we're I will I'll, I'll blink i'll blink the answer in morse code how's that? oh yeah there you go yeah, yeah there very you effective go. on podcast yeah i had a uh had a nice had a nice trip south we um one of our family traditions is the the, the last several years has been to go to orlando for the akc national championship dog show and uh, so we did that again and had a had a really great time both uh both the dogs performed very well uh our our norwegian elk count won best of breed at the national nice. championship our uh our samoyed uh went best of opposite sex and and so both both very good results our daughter qualified for the um national championship in junior showmanship and and did very well she was one of the one of the few nine-year-olds who who uh was there participating so i was very proud wow. of her there it's impressive yeah, good for all, her all good things it was a good week for the family and we were in florida enjoying you know mild florida weather not the not the frozen nastiness that we've had here in Ohio this week or, or, or that they're enjoying in Florida this week. Either. Uh, yeah, that, the weather that, down there is as crummy as it insane. is up here practically. So uh, well, let's get into it. I, I asked the question at the top, is the sky really falling? It was not a great week for the Buckeyes. If you were reading uh message board fodder from around uh, Twitter or, or our boards or elsewhere, as it related to national signing day. Now, Ohio State still clocked in the number six recruiting class or number three, if you went by average star rating or average recruit rating, rather. Uh, And yet, and yet, it still felt like quite a letdown based on what Ohio State didn't accomplish. How did you feel about the annual signing day extravaganza? and, And I guess how concerned are you about the misses real or perceived? Well, I think the biggest thing is just NIL. I mean, all the conversations regarding this, I think, have to start and stop with that. Because, you know, when we have these conversations, you know, when I've done this on the podcast in the past or when we write about or whatever, the the prism with which we look at recruiting through, right, is, is something that's been pretty consistent year in, year out for many, many years. And there's always like this background, like, okay, who's getting paid under the table? It didn't do car dealerships. But that's always been kind of constant. NIL takes all of that and just completely flips it on its head. And so now when you have a conversation about how a recruiting class is going, it has to start with how NIL is being, you know, performed and run and all that stuff. So with that in mind, and with my belief that Ohio State's NIL effort is being run poorly, <laughs> that I think Ohio State still did pretty well. I mean, if you look overall at their class, first of all, lots of, you know, lots of really big names. They've got a lot of really good guys coming in that I think people should be excited about. Um, however, there were also a number of misses and, um, you know, you don't want to, you know, like you lose out on a giant defensive end, you know, target, you lose out on a quarterback, you, you know, all this kind of stuff. 
some of that is cultural. Like you're not going to be able to compete right with a, a family connection to a very specific college with like, you know, like Rayola, for example. Um, but on the other hand, you got to believe that uh, a guy out of one of these like IMG Academy or St. John Bosco or something like that. You got to believe that that comes down to a really simple NIL equation that Ohio state was not able to complete satisfaction. And so that's kind of what I'm more worried about in it in a broader general sense um, with Ohio state and, and how those things are going. Yeah. It's, it's really interesting. The NIL component of this, because I agree with you. That's the, that's the, the, the big, you know, the elephant in the room, if you will. And it, it baffles me. I honestly thought Ohio state would be the program in the country. Most, well positioned to weaponize nil when it became a thing that we well, gotta have people to run it right that, you yeah gotta, that, you gotta have people who know geez. what they're doing when it comes to that and if you are in a situation where you're getting okie doke by people who by the way there are a lot of these schools that probably already have a lot of things set in place right they already essentially had a proto nil system yeah, in the, place the bag the bagman just came out of the shadows yeah yeah, yeah. And, and you know what like that's not to denigrate you know, uh, other schools or something like that. I mean, at this point, they're just, they're doing what they should do. Um, but I do think there is a certain element of needing to start this up right with the Buckeyes and, and culturally, like how do we get that in place and how do we make those connections with business leaders and all that kind of stuff? Ohio state may not have had the same kind of expertise that other places already did. And um, you know, if you're going to do that in Columbus, you're going to have to have some people in Columbus who can make those connections and who are trusted and who are liked and who, you know, know a bunch of guys that are willing to put into the pot. And right now it just doesn't feel like Ohio state has that. I, I one of the concerns I have, and I think if I were a well-heeled businessman, Titan of industry who wanted to get involved in this, I, I think I would look around the country and, and maybe, Maybe be a little cautious. Uh, Texas A&M comes to mind where sure. you you bought the number one class in the country with a bullet and what every single member of that class is transferred one year later. Or conversely, you look here closer to home and you look at the situation uh, with Wonder Mullet coming here and, well, and cashing the big check. And a year later, without having played a meaningful minute of football bouncing back home to Texas. Right. So I, you know, I look at this and I, I'm one who believes there will be some sort of market correction. Mm -hmm. the, the I think so too. I agree the, with that. The teams of the programs who seem to be making the most hay on NIL are not the teams and programs that have been playing the best football and winning football games and, and winning playoff games and so on and so forth. It's you're looking at what Miami and Texas A&M and, and uh, Tennessee, you know, it's kind of weird, but I, I'm not seeing that it's like the traditional powers that you would think, you know, Alabama had a great class, obviously, but when we're talking about the NIL issues, like the, the programs that are just like throwing crazy money out there, it's, it's interesting to see, but there again, maybe it was because they had those, those bag men uh, in, in place. It's just very odd to me to see Ohio state. And I just wonder if, because Ohio state has been more above board conservative about things if that's if that's part of it too that that the people who would be paying for this are looking and saying hey you know what i kind of want my money to go to something meaningful not for right. some entitled little schmendrick who's going to run off a year from now if he's not happy that he's not getting all the playing time he wants 
Well, or, I mean, that's the thing. I mean, I mean, you kind of hit the nail on the head with, it's not about them being upset. I mean, if I were, think about this, especially if you have a one-time transfer, right? Where you're like, cool, you know, it's smart at this point just to take the money if you're a recruit, wherever you're going and for a year and be like, all right, check cleared and then go to where you want to go. Right. Like it doesn't, it doesn't really feel like there's any downside to doing that. I mean, you know, yes, I guess you maybe increase the chance of injury or something like that, but honestly, like I would go where I get the bag and then say, all right, well, maybe this is an ideal situation to advance my, you know, football career and then peace out for, for greener pastures. And so it's interesting because Ryan Day got a lot of heat um for some comments that he made about nil and you know people recruiting players after they've already been committed and things like that and justifiably so because first of all high state's been recruiting players who've already been committed for years and years and years now um starting with urban meyer and and honestly if you think you know jim trestle didn't do that in a subtle way i i don't i i don't think i would agree with that i think he probably did um but i in a larger sense I understand that Ryan Day is probably trying to balance recruiting guys who he believes will stay at Ohio State. He doesn't have to worry about that immediate transfer because I think that really irritates him, especially in the case of a guy like Quinn Ewers, um, who I'm sure he viewed as a guy that he could he could coach up and, and turn into like you know next Tom Brady or whoever. Um, but I also think that it's it is a little bit of covering his own ass where it's like, OK, well, we didn't get all the players. We only had one five star. And that's the first time since I think 2016, they only brought in one five star in a class. Yeah. Um, but, you know, his argument would be that, well, the guys that we did get right are are solid. They're here. You know, they're here to be here. And Lincoln Kineholz, I think, you know, the, the quarterback from South Dakota is, is an example of that, where he even talked about NIL and said, look, you know, I could have gotten a bigger bag at Washington. But Which, oh, I my thought, God, what a statement that is. Well, OK, so yes and no. And, and, and my first initial reaction was exactly that. Like, are you kidding me? <laughs> like Washington could get this guy a bigger bag. However, he also would be the marquee guy at Washington. Yeah, yeah he, and that's a fair point. If he goes to Washington, he's their number one recruit, right? He he goes into Washington. He's their quarterback recruit. He's a four-star. This guy is like an all-world everything. He plays like a billion different sports, and he's amazing in all of them. He would have gotten the huge bag. He goes to Ohio State. He's he's a middle-of-the-pack dude. Um, so I can see why he wouldn't get the same amount of NIL money. However, I appreciate that he also said – I'm going to go to Ohio state specifically because Ryan day has a history of developing these guys into, you know, these guys, meaning specifically quarterbacks into first round type players who get a lot of money in the league and all that kind of stuff. And, you know, I, I think in that case, that's the kind of organic recruitment that you want to build your team around. So you don't have to worry about playing this NIL slash transfer game, you know, 24 7 365 that and I, I think that's really where ryan day's comments are coming from he doesn't want to have to do that he doesn't want to have to be that kind of coach i will say though that i don't know that he can avoid that yeah i don't think you <laughs> have football i think that's just where it is like i get i get that he doesn't love that but i think that's where it's at i also you know i'm i'm wondering because i again i said earlier i'm one that believes there's going to be a, some sort of of correction that happens um you know thus far it feels like the ncaa has just 
abdicated all responsibility whatsoever for regulating this mess. They've allowed this mess to happen uh, and have shown really no interest in trying to make it sustainable. I, I don't mm -hmm. think the current model is sustainable. And by that, I mean, the, the NIL combined with transfer, I mean, you basically have, it's, it's, it's basically, you know, free agency all the time now. It, it It's right. very, it's very player friendly, which is, which is great to an extent, but you know, if we want to liken this to the real world, you know, your comment earlier on is, is right. Like from a rational self-interest standpoint, you say, well, whoever gives me the biggest bag, I'm going to go there because then I can just pull the ripcord 12 months later and go wherever the hell I want. And right. life's going to be great. Transport portal allows me to do that. You know, if you and I go and take a job somewhere with a big signing bonus like that, which is in essence what we're talking about, generally speaking, there's going to be some sort of non-compete associated mm -hmm. with that. I'm not suggesting there should be a non-compete in college football, but but maybe there do need to be some parameters, you know, to to kind of rein in the insanity a little bit. Um, I also, though, think if I go back to a player exercising their rational self-interest, you know, to me, the smarter long-term play is to do what Kleinholz did there and said, hey, this is I'm going to get developed here. Uh, this is a better long-term proposition for me. Maybe I'm going to get a little less money up front. But the long-term prospect, because I think as as time progresses, if we start tracking success in the transfer portal, I think it's going to be a funnel that you know these these recruits all think they're the next Tom Brady or the next oh sure yeah whoever is they're not right like we know, like there are they're not all going to make it to the league they all think they will they're not all going to make it to the league and I think over the long period of time you're going to see like I'd be curious to look four years from now that all those kids in that A and M money bag class how many of them ever actually amount to a damn. Right. Well, because I think there is something everybody thinks to, not Tom Brady. Everybody thinks it's going to be Joe Burrow. Right. That, oh, yeah. I mean, sure. That's really yeah, no, 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 no. Good point. Yeah. Yeah. And that's but, the thing, though, because but I, but I, but I want to see five, you know, four years, five years from now, how many of those A&M recruits ever actually make it? Right. And I don't and even I necessarily do think mean make it to the development. League. Yeah, I get that. Uh, I also think a lot of these players look at that and go, hey, that ain't me. Not going to be me. You know, like nobody. Oh, sure. Especially especially if you're like a highly ranked recruit. I mean, a lot of that is predicated on you going, nah, that ain't me. Like I'm, I'm going to go out there. I'm going to be the guy who, who, you know, if that's a trend, that ain't me. I'm going to be, I'm going to buck that trend. I'm going to be different. I'm going to be successful. And that's, you know, you got to have that mentality, I think at a certain point, but I also think that just in general, um, you know, it, it, it's, it's not, I mean, I hate saying this because I, I don't like taking away either agency or intelligence from these guys. They're adults. Yeah. Okay. Well, I mean, their brains haven't fully developed yet. Sure. That's true. But I do think that a lot of it's just immediacy, right? They're not necessarily even thinking long term at this point. So you could show them all the stats and where you can tell them about like, you know, how many NFL players go bankrupt and things like that. I don't I don't think a lot of people care. They, they just kind of see what's in front of them and the, you know, the opportunity to make a butt ton of cash. Um, you know, the, the thing is, you know, if we're looking at this long term, right? The short term is Ohio State signed still a pretty damn good class. There's a lot to be excited about, right? Like Brandon Ennis, unbelievable. You look at this dude, Noah Rogers, you look at these wide receivers. Uh <laughs> by the way, I'm gonna be really upset 
if no Rodgers and Bryson Rodgers are both on the field at the same time, <laughs> not because I think they're bad, but because they spell their last names differently. And it's going to drive me insane trying to write. Anyway, that's a side note that nobody cares about that. But my point is, is that, you know, there is still a lot to like about this. There are dudes that are underdog type dudes and like Kineholz, for example, uh, that you can cheer for. Um, there's a lot of really interesting guys, especially uh, defensively. Yeah, Will Smith Jr. Obviously, that's something that you want to look at and, yep. and go, wow, that's a cool story. We're going to talk about that. Um, it's a fun class. There's a lot of cool guys to pay attention to. And I, I don't want to give them, uh, you know, the short end of the stick and say, nah, this is this is a disappointment because they didn't get, you know, the huge defensive, you know, the huge defensive line prospect or the transfer guy or all this other stuff. Um, or, or bringing the number one, well, that's in 2024, but bringing the number one quarterback recruit, uh, because the truth is, is that there still is, you know, Ohio state had the number, I think the number three average recruit ranking. Okay. All these guys are four stars. That's a big deal. Yeah. I mean, that's, um, a, that, that's huge. All but one, right? Yeah. That's uh, why tackle miles Walker is the only three that's star in the class. So, so you've got all four stars and one five star that that's, in, that's insane. Three of the top 10 wide receivers. You know, yeah. that's, that's, I mean, that's incredible. sick. That's, that's crazy. Number two, tight end number three inside uh, offensive lineman, you know, so there's, there's uh, in fact, um, let's see what two, two top 10 offensive line inside offensive lineman. Uh, so not bad there. Number eight defensive lineman in the class. I'd, I'd like to have seen, you know, more than two quarterbacks. Uh, that that's an area where maybe I'm concerned, but, but you're right. There are a lot of great stories and something you said earlier, I think is important too. the guys who are in the class really want to be in the class. Like if you follow yeah. a lot of them on social media, you know, oh, yeah, been... they're like, and they're all about like cheering, you know, cheering on Ohio state and saying how happy they are. Like I, and you love to see that. You absolutely love to see that. Um, uh, it doesn't that's... feel like guys who just came here to get the bag and go. Somewhere it doesn't else, feel right? mercenary. It's... Right. It feels yeah. authentic. Exactly. And that's always really fun. That's always really fun. Watch how it shakes out. It's going to be uh, going to be interesting to see, you know, will there be any more uh, noise, at the transfer portal, you know, that's, that's one that I think a lot of us uh, following the Michigan loss, said okay <laughs> we see some places where ryan day needs to go shopping and well and bringing some guys on well, and free agency of, and... one team that's not been quiet in the transfer portal is michigan they are yes. doing some crazy things there um and so if ohio state wants to keep up with the joneses and actually try to you know beat michigan that would be nice um they need to try to keep up with uh and what do you think i mean as our resident expert on all things uh maize <laughs> and blue is that is that just them being flavor of the month or or does does harbaugh have a have a really good pitch uh to get guys in off the portal i think I mean, he has a good pitch at this point because a lot of these dudes that he's bringing in are coming out on offensive line they're like they're coming out on the offensive defensive lines and i think that is uh I think that's a big part of it. I think that's a really big part of it because they're, they're now able to say, all right, we're going to bring you in. You're going to come in. You're going to, you know, get to the NFL potentially. I, I think what they're doing is they've established a brand essentially. And a lot of these transfers want to be a part of it. So I don't think it's just some fluky thing. I don't, and a lot of people say, well, you know, Michigan beat Ohio state a couple of times. So now they're going to go. I don't think that's, I don't think that factors into it. Um, I think it's more about the relationships that they cultivate the fact that they've got these uh, positional coaches from the NFL, I think means a lot. That was really smart on Harbaugh's part to do, to start bringing in guys uh, who can, you know, establish those, you know, NFL bona fides. I think that that means a lot 
to players. And so um, I think that's a huge factor into it. Yeah, ag- agreed. And what what amazes me, I think, most about the Harbaugh story is this is a guy who, you know, what, 18 months ago was on his way. It was was on the hot seat. And then, uh, you know, a year ago was on his way out the door. If the NFL, if anyone in the NFL would have taken him, he would have been gone. Yeah. I mean, he is, he was basically like assumed that he was going to be the next uh, Vikings head coach. That was, that's where, that was where he was at. Like that. Uh, yeah. That's going to be me. He was, he was one and a half feet out the door. Right. And now all of a sudden is, is king of the universe. It's, I, I mean, mind blowing uh, to me that that's where we are, but it also, I guess, is a good reminder of how quickly things can change yep. in the crazy sport of college football. Now we've talked some doom and gloom. You did a good job of bringing us back around that. Hey, this is actually a decent recruiting class, even if it doesn't have everything fans were hoping Santa would bring under the Christmas tree. Uh, I, one of my favorite pieces of the site this week, and yes, we are going to talk about the college football playoff uh, in a moment, but one of my favorite pieces on the site this week was Chris Lauterbach's uh, Christmas Day piece, basically reminding us that for as bad as the past 30 days have been, we still have it better than 98% of college football fans in the country. Oh, sure. Uh, and, and I think, it's really interesting. There's there's something to be said, and you've talked about this before. There's something to be said for reminding yourself that it's lonely at the top. And sometimes when you've been at the top, as long as Ohio State's been at or near the top, you forget how good you really have it. Is yeah. is the Christmas season a time when when we maybe we need to appreciate the fact that you know this team still is in the college football playoff? You know, this team still did ink uh, a, a top six recruiting class or not top three, if you want to go by average player rating that, that this is a a team that has only lost a very small number of games over, you know, the last 22 years. I, I, I guess what I'm asking Johnny is are, are fans, um, are, are fans being unreasonably pessimistic heading into no. the final week of the year? <laughs> not being pessimistic enough. <laughs> Cause here's, what's going to happen. Uh, if you if you have any little bit of optimism, you're going to play Georgia, and Georgia's probably going to beat Ohio State, and they're going to be mad again. So I recommend being super pessimistic. <laughs> you're gonna you're gonna take the 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 Yang to Chris's yen on this. Yeah, one, no, words. get mad. I don't care. I'm gonna be the what the Norman Beal. I'm gonna run out to the well. That and I I actually made a really stupid Photoshop to that effect. There run you out go. to your window and scream. I'm mad as hell, and I'm not gonna take it anymore <laughs> because. Because that's Howard Beale. He was based on Norman. Vin- he was well. Norman okay. Vincent Peel. That's right, Peel. He was based on Peel, Howard Beale from the the movie Network. But yeah. anyway, yeah, run to your window, say I'm mad as hell. I'm not going to take it anymore. In anticipation of Ohio State coming out against Georgia and looking exactly like they have at every other game this season. Because honestly, that's what I think is going to happen. And that will be enough for them to look semi-competent on about a third of their offensive drives and maybe one or two where they look like world beaters. And then on the rest, they're just going to go three and out and, and then they'll lose by two or three touchdowns. And I'll be very upset. Yeah. It's interesting looking at uh, some of the betting lines here, bet online uh, had some lines for the exact outcome of the college football playoff championship. And, and the fourth, uh, one down if you rank them by by the odds was Ohio State beating Michigan 
in the college football playoff. So Georgia beating Michigan, Georgia defeating TCU, Michigan defeating Georgia were were kind of the most the most common the the three most likely outcomes if you want to look at it that way. Uh, but Ohio State beating Michigan was was slightly more likely than Michigan beating Ohio State. I say more likely. That's not really how you read odds, but using it as a proxy for for uh, how that would come down. And I thought that was really interesting to see that 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 uh, the betters felt it was marginally more likely for Ohio State to defeat Michigan in the college football playoff than yeah. it would be for Michigan to beat Ohio State. That said, the two most likely outcomes, at least in terms of the betting dollars were uh georgia winning it all let's move into talking about the peach bowl here it comes prime time eight o'clock saturday night new year's eve baby could it get any bigger than this you're not terribly high on ohio state's chances it sounds no. like or at least you're going to take preventative misery uh what's the tail of the tape here on these two teams as you as you look them nose to nose you know i i agree georgia's the prohibitive favorite to win it all uh, but of the three teams in the playoff, I think maybe Ohio State's the one that has the best chance to beat the dogs. Am I wrong? Um, yes. <laughs> yes. Here's why I think you're wrong. Here's why I think you're wrong. All right. So first of all, I think Michigan has the best chance of beating Georgia. I understand that Georgia has a great defensive line, including, you know, maybe the best player in the playoff period. Um, uh, I, you know, you would think that, you know, Ohio state, here's what's going to happen. Okay. And let's talk about George's defense for a second. So Jalen Carter is really, really, really good. He's a defensive, you know, defensive lineman, you know, plays, you know, generally like interior defensive line um, stuffs, everything. Nobody can get around this guy blows up you know, plays immediately, all that kind of stuff. Here's the thing about Michigan. They're really, really good at scheming around dudes. So I, and, and you know, again, you're, you're not without, you don't have Blake Corum. Fine. Donovan Edwards has proven to be just as dangerous, if not more so, frankly, because I think he's faster and if not as shifty at, you know, like still pretty darn shifty. Um, the reason why I think Michigan has a better shot at beating Georgia is simply because they are better at executing what their identity is. And so, yes, it's strength on strength, but Michigan knows exactly who they are and doesn't like, they don't get cute about it. They just do what they want to do. Um, and honestly, I think they, that consistency that they're able to have in the running game is better than, Ohio state, maybe having a higher ceiling in the passing game, but not being as consistent. And so, and, and well, just real quick, I know LSU passed for 500 yards in these dudes. That's great. I look at that as a complete fluke because you look at all of the other games that they've played and they've played some decent passing attacks, not great passing attacks, not near. I mean, Ohio state's going to be the best that they've seen all season. Um, but they still have done pretty darn well. And I just don't think Ohio state is consistent enough. Um, to really take out Georgia. It's going to be a test because it's the most talent Georgia's seen all season. Um, but I think really what this season has shown, and particularly you know against Michigan, is that you play better when you've got an offensive identity that you stick to and that you're good at executing on a consistent basis. Ohio State hasn't been that in the past few like games, really. Yeah, um, I, I think you've hit on something important, and that's, to me, coaching. This is all about coaching. I, I think I think Ohio State has a talent advantage here. Um, 
looking at and pro football focus put out a thing and then i go back and forth on how i feel about pro football focuses i think they're dumb college but, football player ratings but, but yeah. using it as as a metric that people use sure. uh jalen carter as as noted the number one rated player in the playoff donovan edwards number two ohio state then has the next three and marvin harrison tommy eichenberg and mayan williams Stetson Bennett for Georgia comes in number six. There's another Michigan man at number seven and Will Johnson. Then you have Rocket Ronnie Hickman at eight, Zach Harrison at 10, and Georgia has Darnell Washington at number nine. So five of the top 10 players in the playoff play for Ohio State. Three of the top 10 play for Georgia. Uh, and and the way I the way I look at this is Ohio State's loss to Michigan was not a matter of being out-talented. It was a matter of being out-coached. It was yeah. a matter of being out-schemed, as you pointed out. Michigan does a really good job of, of scheming against guys. Uh, and Ohio State getting too damn cute and mm -hmm. and making baffling decisions at critical moments of the game. Uh, I would like to think that Ryan Day and his brain trust with, you know, a month to prepare could get their crap back on track and, you know, figure out how to go at these guys. Uh, it's got to be through the air. I don't think they can run against Georgia's defense. but. But, but I mean, I am with you that it uh, that LSU game may be an aberration more so than anything. Yeah, I just, you know, I would also like to think that Ryan Day and company would come out with something interesting or something new. I don't believe that they will. I don't think that'll happen. I think you're going to see pretty much the same thing that we've seen uh, all season, which is a passing game with, you know, kind of diminishing returns and a rushing game that's been super super inconsistent and i like i will say this i do love the idea that you know chop will be back and healthy hopefully i mean he's a, you know he's gonna be ready to go good to go they obviously have some other dudes around him and behind him who can you know come in and, and give some really good tough yards that's great um i just i don't know what they're you know they've got unreliable tight ends they've got guys who can't block super well um they've got you know wide receivers who are elite but also can be, I think, kind of schemed out of existence sometimes because if you know that's you know, you don't have a threat in the running game, you can you can kind of limit that effectiveness. So in general, I you know I just I want to believe. I want to believe. I just don't. I'm super pessimistic, and uh, you know, I, <laughs> I'm not saying that because I want to be right. I'm I'm saying that because I don't have a reason right now to believe that it won't be that way. Um, and, you know, maybe maybe Ryan Day and Ohio State come out and just surprise the hell out of me, right, in the first half. And they mm -hmm. they do stuff that we haven't seen. They go to zone, you know, blocking. <laughs> they, you know, they institute a whole new running game regime and, and use the tight ends effectively. And Cade Stover, you know, suddenly decides that he wants to block and all that kind of stuff. But um, there's there's a lot that has to change, I think, for them to be effective enough against a Georgia defense to win that game. Ohio State, you know, coming into this as an underdog is something they haven't experienced a lot, you know, over the la over the Ryan Day. Well, really, I mean, this century, Ohio State hasn't been the underdog a lot. Normally, they're the bully coming into a fight. Um, yeah. Most people, I think, are probably in the camp you are that they've got a tough road to hoe, and uh, it's probably not going to be probably not going to be any uh, you know a fun night for the Buckeyes in what is a glorified home game for the Bulldogs. D does that matter at all? Like we always talk about bulletin board material and, and so on and so forth. Do you, I mean, do you think this group of players, particularly given 
that they've lost to Michigan two in a row. Does does a guy like C.J. Stroud, who you know, I think there are some reasonable questions about his intangibles. Uh, yep. his, his leadership is, you know, people always, I always hate when guys nitpick body language of, of players and too. so on, but I but, think, but I think in his case, like there, you know, it's been long enough that maybe there are some questions like this guy ain't JT Barrett in terms of that, that, you know, grab a guy by the face mask and, you know, make him understand the assignment. Mm-hmm. Does, does all of that, does all of that give them a little extra oomph going into this? Or is that just a guy who's watched Hoosiers too many times, uh, hoping that <laughs> conjures some mojo when they face the 800 pound gorilla? I don't know. I mean, I, you know, like I said, I, I want to believe, I want to believe, but I, I kind of think about this and I go like, you know, it's the same deal. I, by the way, just to go back real quick with the, uh, the body language thing and whatnot. I I'm with you. Like I, I hate reading those kind of tea leaves. However, and we talked about this on the dubcast, you know, you look at a guy like CJ Stratos, all the talent in the world, right? I mean, his, his ability to just drop these footballs into a bucket from 60 yards away is just unbelievable. I mean, I, even, even with a guy like Justin Fields, you're just like, I, or even Dwayne Haskins, you just look at that and you go, CJ Stratos better in terms of that than pretty much anybody you've ever seen. Um, but then I think about JT Barrett and I'm like, all right, well, this guy is not a dude who had the same physical talents. You know, he was not the fastest guy, did not have the strongest arm, but everybody who played with him on the field would die for that guy because he was the unquestioned leader in that locker room. And I think he elevated the people around him. And that's, you know, when you're in a really tough situation when you're when you're playing the college football playoff when you're playing in a rivalry game that's like the end all be all of rivalry games you have to have a guy on the field who can you you guys can rally to like that and i don't think cj stroud's that dude um it doesn't have to be him it can be somebody else who who is but, that dude is that, i mean that's part of i don't my think they ha- I, that's i don't know i don't think they have that dude right now that's what i'm worried about that's the thing like i don't know who that guy is and maybe that person does exist and i'm just not aware of it maybe the team doesn't talk about it that way and that's fine uh, but I'm not seeing it on the field. I don't see it in after game comments. I don't see it when they do interviews. Um, you know, they talk about like Tommy Eichenberg, for example, you know, being the dude, you know, if you want somebody to walk with you in a dark alley, right. Who you pick cool. But I don't see his like vocal leadership. I don't see him getting in people's faces like, and that's, and again, you don't need to do that necessarily to be a good leader or an effective leader. But I, I guess from a fan standpoint, if you're looking at this from far away, that's not something that engenders confidence when you don't hear about a guy, you know, making a halftime speech or, you know, rallying people on the sidelines. It, it does. It just doesn't feel like there is that dude in the locker room. Um, and again, all of this is from, you know, the blimp above the stadium. We're not there. We're not on the sidelines. We're not in the locker room. We don't know. But as a fan, when you're trying to make predictions about games and how you feel about things that factors into it. Um, and I would, like to see from the quarterback of the Ohio state football Buckeyes that, you know, you get a little more intensity, a little more emotion, you know, get in, get in there and, and rally guys. And I just, I haven't seen that with CJ Stroud. Yeah. Stroud, Stroud fascinates me because I, I feel like he has the mirror image of JT Barrett Barrett. Yeah. And, a lot of ways. Yeah. And I mean, he really is. He got dinged left and right about his weenie arm and this and that and the other thing Uh, you know guys rewriting the big 10 record books and everybody's taking a dump on him every chance they get because 
he had, but he had every intangible. I mean, he checked the boxes in triplicate for, right. you know, the guy you would want leading your team. People, you know, they wanted to carp on him. Oh, he's not a passer. He's not of this. He's not of that. I don't care. Give me that guy twice. And mm. on the other hand, you have Stroud here, who is maybe the best pure passer the school's ever matriculated. And yet, <laughs> if you had to say, which guy do you want leading the charge? Um, you know, if, if there was another guy in the locker room around him, but it feels like, you know, you want that guy to be your quarterback. You want, you want that guy to be the leader of the team, the one who's, who's slinging the rock call signals. And, and I just, I, it, it, it concerns me that, that he has not been that guy. He's not going to be that guy. I mean, that's just not him. Uh, but at the same time, like who, who is that guy? Cause there has to be a guy. Yeah. There has to be. Yeah, a guy. I agree. And, yeah, and, when, and ideally several guys because you want yeah, people right, on offense and right. you know, and it's like, but <laughs> you know, we're talking about this recording this on the 26th, the game's on the 31st. I would, you know, <laughs> I don't think Ryan Day is going to be like listening to this on Tuesday and go, damn, all right, we got four days. Yeah. Who's gonna be who's gonna be the leader on this team to make sure that we beat the Georgia Bulldogs and then beat the TCU Horn Frogs. Well, <laughs> hey, and here's you know, and here's another question, Johnny, that I think. And, and it's too early to have this discussion. See me in another year if we're having a similar type conversation uh, about Ohio State limping into a college football playoff appearance after dropping three in a row to its hated rival. Uh, but I wonder how much of this does does the does the quarterback does the personality of the quarterback reflect the personality of the coach, particularly if that coach is a quarterback coach? Because uh, look at look at JT Barrett. And and how well he reflected that we're going to win this thing, yeah. Mentality of Urban Meyer. Look at look at Jim Tressel's quarterbacks. I actually think I, I'll you know what I'll I'll quibble with that a little bit because I don't think Urban Meyer necessarily had that mentality. How many times see Urban Meyer on the sidelines freaking out right with yeah, his hands his, on his yeah. knees? You know, like basically, literally in some cases, falling to the ground. Yeah. I, I later, later in his tenure in particular, he was. Uh, uh, yeah, I actually direct. disagree. I think JT Barrett is a much cooler customer during his oh, career. Yeah, yeah, for Urban sure. Meyer. But, but the, I guess what I'm, what I'm looking at is like that intensity of. Yeah, yeah. Like, I can see that. You know, when Urban, Urban talked about, you know, wanting assistants who are coached like their hair's on fire, you know, like. And I get that. You know, we got to. I just, there's, there's something different. And I'm, I'm not bailing out on Ryan day yet. I like Ryan day a lot. I'm not yeah, bailing on the guy. I mean, that's, that's why I say it's too early. I had that discussion, but I'm like this. And maybe it's just this modern era of everybody wants to be a player's coach. Everybody wants to be, you know, is, is Ryan day, is Ryan day putting his boot in these guys ass as my dad would call and my dad would put it, you know, when, when yeah. they're not getting the job done. Uh, then again, I think a lot of the reasons Ohio state lost the game and lost is, on the coach more so than the execution of the players, but you know, part both parts, both sides have to do their, their job. Obviously uh, yeah. coaches got to, got to put the players in position to succeed. It's not just on the players. Sometimes I think people forget that and they just, they want to bag on the players. Uh, but I think leadership is going to be a big part of, of who wins. If uh, the Buckeyes can, Managed to to stand up and and embrace this underdog role that they haven't been in a lot, um, you know, and and stand up there. There, I, I feel like the only outcome I don't foresee happening, I could foresee an outcome where Georgia just runs 
hog ass wild over Ohio State and wins by mm -hmm. a million. I could see Georgia winning in a close one. I can see Ohio State winning in a close one. The only outcome I don't think I see is Ohio State winning by, you know, 40 points uh, or something stupid like that. Like, I, I yeah. think Georgia, you know, Georgia's going to be in it until the last series regardless. Uh, the question is whether Ohio State decides to be in it to the last series as well. Well, and the thing is, I mean, you know, people will go back and look at the LSU game. Well, okay, LSU passed for 500 yards and they lost by 20 points, right? They gave up 50 points. <laughs> like they yeah. lost 50 to 30. Yeah, so LSU has, LSU didn't have the defense Ohio State does. And I'm not saying Ohio State has a Georgia caliber defense, but Ohio State's defense is much better than. I mean, we'd hope so. Yeah, I, I mean, I, I don't I believe, know. I believe that. I mean, I look, I, I know Ohio State coughed up a bunch to Michigan. Yeah. Um, they did. But I but I also look at I think those problems are solvable problems. Like they're, you know, when you look at why Ohio State coughed up the plays that it did, I don't think it's because the system is fundamentally broken. And I think no, in I the think second so half when things went totally sideways, where where a year ago when we were having that postmortem, the problem was that the system was horribly broken. <laughs> it yes. was a bad, it was a bad system. The, I, I would agree with the caveat though. And this is, this is what I was talking about earlier with being, you know, having an offensive identity, have an identity as a team, um, you know, knowing who you are and executing really well. All right. Well, Georgia doesn't have like an, like they, if you look statistically, I mean, they have a very good running game. Uh, Setson Bennett is performing really, really well, but what they are, they, they throw the tight ends, right? Like that's, yep. that's their whole thing. They throw the tight ends because they have amazing tight ends. But you know what? That works for them. They're really, really, really good at that. And that's what bothers me. It's not so much that I think, you know, Ohio State's going to get just like run over and, and Georgia's going to, you know, air raid or whatever. What I, I worry about is, you know, Georgia's tight ends catching 15 yard passes, you know, at a time, extending drives, converting third down yeah. every single time, you know, like going, you know, 10 for 12 on third down or something, because all they got to do is just do a little, you know, sets and Bennett just goes back and hucks it to a tight end for five mm -hmm. yards that the tight end takes for 10. That's what bothers me. That's what worries me a lot. Um, not so much that I think they're going to go out there and boat race Ohio state, just that Ohio state will not be able to con like consistently stop what Georgia does really, really well. And that was their problem against Michigan. It's not that Ohio state, has bad players or a bad scheme or things like that. They're just not good enough to stop an elite, uh, not necessarily an elite offense, but an elite system, an elite, a team that operates at an elite level with what they do really well. Um, Michigan does that with their running game. They don't have a great passing game. Obviously they were able to take advantage of that with Ohio state in a really fluky, weird way, but really it's all built off their running game. George is the same way with passing the tight ends. If Ohio State can't stop that, and I don't think they can, then I don't know what you do. <laughs> like that's that's what bothers me. Looking at the implications of this game, uh, you know, Chris mentioned this in his Christmas piece that I really enjoyed. That a lot of fans are just dreading this because yeah. you know for the reasons you've outlined that that Ohio State's you know setting itself up for an all night ass kicking and. The, that begs the question then, would it have been better for Ohio State to to not be in the playoff at all? You know, Chris made the point that you would much rather Ohio State be playing in a meaningful playoff game and have a chance oh, sure. at a national title than playing in the Poland Weed Eater Bowl uh, or, or, or something goofy like that. 
so implications though with with that you and I and Chris all in agreement that better to have a chance at the playoff than not. Ohio State loses this game. How bad is that for the overall well-being of the program? You you go into the postseason on, where last season you go in on a go out on a high note with a big win in the Rose Bowl. This season yeah. you go out you know with close loss. You go out with a drubbing against the eventual national champion. Does it? Does it matter all that? It can is it any worse than you know ending the season on a loss to Michigan and playing in a who gives a damn bowl? Or I think it, yeah, I understand what you're saying. I, th- I think it matters and depends on the nature of how they go out. And you know, if obviously you want them to beat Georgia, and I don't want anybody listening to this to go like, oh, Johnny doesn't he doesn't even want Ohio State to beat Georgia. That's not true. I just don't think they will. Um, and I'm being honest about that. But here's the thing: if they're gonna if they're gonna play Georgia. I want them to come out and do something new, right? I want to see something I haven't seen this season because obviously that's that's not what gets you over the hump against really good teams. You've got to do something new. You can't just keep doing the same thing over and over again uh, with diminishing results. So if they come out and they try something new and we see some crazy stuff from Ohio State, that we see like nothing, like let's say they go completely no huddle or let's say they start doing like zone scheme, you know, and they, they just throw in crazy stuff that we have not seen and they still lose. I'll be like, you know what? Hats off to you, Ryan day. Cause you threw the kitchen sink out there and it didn't work, but that's all right. Because that's what I want to see. I want to see, you know, swinging for the fences, trying something that we haven't seen that would give me confidence going into next season, particularly when you're losing a lot of guys. Right. And, and you really, you've got a lot of things that you're gonna have to work on. Uh, especially on offense, um, that will make me go, all right, I feel good about the direction of this. If they go out there and they're stagnant, they play the exact same way they've played in every other game this season, the running game isn't looking any different at all and has zero impact on the game, that's going to make me really upset and frustrated. Um, and, I, you know, if they win doing that, then who the hell knows? I don't know. I'll, I'll yeah, the game crazy. plan, in other words, can't be Michigan but better. Right, exactly. It's got to be something better than that. Um, but if it is new, if it's something, like I said, if it's something unique, something interesting, something that shows that they've learned from some of their mistakes, then I don't, I'm not going to be too upset if they don't win that game, because then I'll, again, like I said, that will be an acknowledgement that Ryan day is capable of changing being the, you know, the adaptive coach that we all kind of think that he is. Um, and I'll be happy, you know, so Ohio state, like we've said, you know, they've got, great players coming in. They still have great players on the roster. They're still a really fun team to watch. Honestly, when it's working, when things are working and they're doing well, they're an incredibly entertaining team to watch. They're still, you know, we're still talking about a top five program in college football. Um, but to stay there is going to require creativity in a lot of different ways. And that kind of stagnation is not something that I can abide. That That's what bothers me as a fan more than anything else is, is resting on your laurels or not, having the guts to change. Um, and for a long time, it, it felt like Ohio State was always the program that did have the guts to do that when when was necessary. Uh, so hopefully we see that on Saturday. Any any uh, chance you see that 2014 mojo coming in here? You know, there was an Ohio State team that was expected to get boat raced by Alabama and ended up flipping the script pretty hard. Uh, I said earlier, the one outcome I don't see is it's <laughs> Ohio state running well, away with this thing, but 
Andy, well, okay, so in 2014, what really just messed everybody up against Ohio State was that they were preparing for a JT Barrett offensive attack, and they got a Cardell Jones offensive attack. And yeah. that's completely different, right? They, they're like, oh, crap. Now we got like, Devin Smith is just going to go on a vert, and then, and, you know, this guy is going to hit him, you know, seven times out of 10, and we're all screwed. What would Ohio State have to change offensively, right? I mean, what would be a similar why not just do Why not just do that with, Marvin Harrison Jr. Because that's not that, a bad suggestion. Because he kind of got ignored, if you ask me, in that yeah, Michigan, in that Michigan not game. a bad point. Uh, I mean, maybe just go with the 2014 game plan and let's see what happens. Yeah, I, I, I mean, the problem there, the obvious problem there is you you don't think that Mayan Williams or Travion Henderson, either one, is Ezekiel Elliott, and he certainly yeah. had a lot to say about the the outcome of of that game. Uh, yeah. But I, I mean, I do think. I do think a healthy chop makes a difference. Yeah. Um, yeah. I, I mean, I think that makes a big difference. I, part of me is baffled as, as to why Ohio state as a whole was so injured this season. Uh, it just felt like they were snake bit with injuries a lot. And, and I, I don't know why uh, maybe, maybe Joey Bose is right. We need to get rid of turf and go back to real grass. Uh, uh, he's right. He's right about that. He's 100% right. About I mean, Ohio state has brand new turf and all of a sudden it's one of the most injured teams in the country. Coincidence makes you think, makes you think. well, uh, we'll see what happens. I'm, I'm on the side of the ledger, hoping for some of that 2014 mojo. Hopefully Ryan day gets his head out of his can with regard to this whole, what is our offensive identity thing and, and making it happen. Uh, we'll get our predictions here after, after our, our favorite couple of segments of the game here. Uh, the first being uh, the bet Jack parlay, which I've been missing the last couple of weeks. Hopefully you guys have been having, uh, having fun. We've had a lot of pretty goofy uh, uh, <laughs> takes. Let me put it that way. There's it, but in the absence of interesting bulls, we've definitely gone, uh, we've gone to the NFL, you know, we've looked elsewhere. It's, it's been, a, it's been a good time. It's been a good yeah, time. Well, I'm looking forward to uh, the weeks that you, the, the plans that you have uh, laid out for us, the games you have laid out for us this week. Uh, but I want to thank, uh, remind you that you can visit betjack.com uh, or do what I did and download the betjack app. If you want to uh, get, get your, uh, get your toe in the pool, the only sports book for Ohio sports fans by Ohio sports fans. What are the games you got lined up for us this week, my friend? All right. Well, we're going to do bowls, obviously uh, going into like, you know, kind of the, the main chunk, the main, the main part of the bowl season here. So let's go ahead and start here. Uh, this is going to be Wisconsin and Oklahoma state and the match day guaranteed rate bowl. Um, so right now, all right, you're looking at Wisconsin. They're the favorites around, you know, two and a half. It just kind of depends on where you're at two and a half, three. Some people are, are going a little bit higher than that. Uh, what do you think? Wisconsin. Yeah, I, yeah. I'm taking the Badgers in this one. I think this is one okay. where, where the big 10 has a chance to, to, uh, to, to get, uh, get out, uh, to a good start in, in bowl season. People always like to tally up how many, uh, wins of the power five conferences notch up here. And, and I like this one, Oklahoma state, uh, you know, they're, they're good. Not great team. I think Wisconsin is a fairly, we go back to that question of identity. Wisconsin's yeah. a team that knows who it is. Um, yes, they've, uh, you know, had the coaching turnover storyline, but I think they're a solid program culturally. And, and I feel like they're in a good position to succeed. So I'm, I'm riding with the Badgers on this one. You know what? So Luke Fickle is not going to be, uh, he's not like actually coaching, but he's kind of like, 
ESPN says he's to remain in the background. So he's kind of like lurking. He's nice. he's he's just there uh, at the guaranteed rate bowl. He's just kind of like lurking in the shadow. He's, he's like the um, emperor in the original Star Wars trilogy, huh? Yeah, that's right. That's right. Uh, uh, so I don't, you know, but I do think it's kind of cool. I here's the thing. First of all, big ups to that guy. I'm really excited that Fickle's going to be in the Big Ten, yeah, and yeah, that's a good. That's great. It's, it's and I think. And you know what? And I think they'll have a little bit of uh, wind at their backs on that one. So I agree. I think Wisconsin and the guaranteed rate bowl, I think they're going to, um, I think they'll get it done against Oklahoma state. And they, you know, it's, it's definitely been a weird season for Wisconsin and in many ways. Um, but this would be, I think a, a really redemptive kind of uh, victory for them. So I think that's, that'll be a huge motivator that, and you know, when we talk about some of these minor bowls, not mattering, this is one of those where it, I think it does matter in a lot yeah, of ways. It does. Um, just for the attitude of the team, you know, their, their program going forward to get a, you know, certify a winning season, a bowl victory coming in with a new coach I, that I think that would mean a lot. So I, I'm going to go with them. Yeah. I think those uh, guys are going to be up for it. Yeah, I agree. So this one, I, okay. I don't know. I'm definitely going to watch it. Right. If I can just out of morbid curiosity, because I I'm, I'm very, these are two teams that I think are, are just going to have kind of an interesting game here. So Iowa and Kentucky and the uh, music city bowl. Um, that is look, Iowa, I think has essentially just become a meme in general. You know yes. what I mean? Yeah. Like, so this is kind of the prelude to the uh, the college football playoffs Saturday at noon. Uh, right now, Iowa's a one and a half point favorite. Um, over under is thirty one total points. What is going to happen in this freaking Good game? Lord. I'm very excited. I mean, give me the under. <laughs> okay. Me, all right. Give, now, but give, Iowa's give me a one the under. Okay. So all right. So, but we're going to try to pick the victor here. Right yeah. Now we've got <sighs> Iowa. As a one and a half point fair, is are they pull it off? You know the what's you know what's insane? Let me tell you what's insane. Kentucky held Georgia, the Georgia that we just talked about, that you know is going to, you know, just run all over Ohio State. They held Georgia to 16 points. Yeah. A month ago. Right. 16 points. Uh, you know, that's kind of wild. Like I, I didn't watch that game. I'm I, I didn't go back and look it up, but um, you know, Kentucky hasn't scored more than I guess they did score 37 against Miami of Ohio, but otherwise, you know, they've been in the teens to low twenties. Uh, that was their season low output six versus Georgia. So Georgia held them pretty well in check offensively. So that, that gives me pause to say, um, maybe Iowa will eke out the victory, but Iowa is about as inept offensively as, as it comes as good as they are defensively. So, God, this is, I'd about say this is a push. Uh, you said one and a half? Yeah. I mean, Iowa probably wins it. Yeah. By the so, way, these two teams met in the Citrus Bowl uh, just, just 12 months ago. Did they really? They did. And what, what was uh, the Kentucky, outcome of that? Yeah. Kentucky won 20 to 17. And this was actually pretty wild because, um, <sighs> let's see, I'm trying to, I'm looking at the little, the little uh, win probability. It was almost like 90% chance. 92% chance uh, with two minutes and 51 seconds left in the fourth quarter. And then it all went wrong for Iowa and uh, uh, Kentucky got a touchdown there in the last, uh, the last two minutes of the game and ended up winning that thing. So I, I mean, yeah, be, 
The yeah, irony is that on a neutral field, Kentucky would be about a half point favorite over over Iowa in terms of uh, SP plus. So yeah, maybe maybe give me the Wildcats. I think God, I just that's... I'm taking Iowa because I'm stupid. So <laughs> I, have I feel no... like this is one of the, Iowa always. You know what? They always get up really big for these these freaking games for these bowl games and they look, I mean I, I love Iowa's defense you know in that context it's not like it's not sure. like Kentucky's offense is world is a world beating offense no. or anything like that so so Iowa I feel like has the edge there but again Kentucky did hold Georgia to 16 points yeah and, and Iowa I mean we know what their offense looks like yeah yeah geez uh, I'm still thinking Iowa. I don't care. Take Iowa. I'm taking Kentucky. We'll see what all happens. Right. We'll see what happens. Last one before we get into you know Ohio State, Georgia, all that. Uh, so this, of course, is the other uh, the other item of import. So the other college football playoff semifinal: TCU, Michigan. Michigan right now really big favorites, uh, around nine to ten points, depending on the spread that you're looking at. Um, yeah. So TCU's got some work to do if they're going to get that one done. Yeah, I mean, I I'm going I'm going with Michigan on that one. I yeah, as much as it much as it pains me to say anything good about that team up north, um, TCU's they're fine. They're not a terrible team. There's a reason they're in the playoff. Uh, if you watch that, if you watch that championship game, uh, you know there's a lot of heart. That quarterback, you know, he's uh, he's pretty good. But um, I also saw what Michigan did to Ohio State. And I would have no qualms about taking Ohio State over TCU if those two teams squared up. So I'm even with nine or ten points on the line. I think Michigan covers that. God knows they covered it against Ohio State, yeah. uh, and then some. So I'm I'm going with the Wolverines. I'm going. TCU's got the 65th and... ranked uh, rushing defense in the country. They are not going <laughs> yeah, to beat. No. They are not Edwards going is, to beat Michigan. Michigan is going to win this. Have a lot of fun. Yeah. And, and really, I tell you, man, like I said earlier, I think they got the inside track mm-hmm. <laughs> on a national championship, which would be really just basically Armageddon. It would be really, 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 really yeah, bad. Michigan winning a title game would be the, yeah, would be yeah. the end times. That would be the end times. So um, yeah, I'm, I'm also going to go with Michigan on that one. I think they cover fairly easily. So yeah, that's uh, the bed Jack parlay. Uh, we'll see how it shakes out and, and we'll keep an eye on those bowl games as well. Uh, Jack, the only sports book designed by Ohio sports fans for Ohio sports fans. All right. On to one of our second favorite segment of the program. Ask us anything. Uh, having been away for a couple of weeks, I have missed, I have missed this connection with, uh, our, our friends and loved ones in the audience. So, uh, bring it back to me, my friend. What do we have in the mailbag this week? Well, we have so many things, and we do want to remind you that uh, the uh, if you want to ask us literally anything, you can just send us questions to dubcast at 11warriors.com. Uh, and, you know, here's the thing, and, and I got to be honest, that I really love all of you guys for just sending in these questions, as you have done so all season. I just want to say thank you very much. Uh, for everything that you guys have done, uh, we've we've got quite a few here, um, you know, over the course of the season, and they've all been great. So thank you. I just want to give a big shout out to everybody because you really definitely deserve it. Uh, let's start here. This is from Kevin. Uh, which offensive component will be the most effective against Georgia? Which will be the least effective? Georgia has a good defense, and I am worried. Good call on being worried, Kevin. I appreciate that. Yeah, I saw a story earlier today. Um, I think it was a former Alabama player or something. He was talking about Kirby Smart, and the 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 comment he made was basically, "Don't run against Georgia. You're just wasting a down." Yeah, yeah. Uh, exactly. You know, right, right. I mean, damn the torpedoes and sling the rock. And I, mm-hmm. I think that's where I am. As much as I, 
as much as I cringe at the idea of Ohio State becoming an air raid, you know, Big 12 type offense, uh, I think this is a case. If it where wins you a college football playoff game. If it wins you a college football playoff game, you do it. I think this is one where you absolutely you need to you need to get Marvin Harrison Jr. the best looks possible. Stop this cutesy poo crap where Kate Stover's dropping, uh, you know, sure sure touchdowns, and right. and let's you know put the ball in the hands of the best player on the field. And to me, that's Marvin Harrison Jr. Everything should be designed around making sure that guy has an opportunity because God knows CJ Stroud can get him the ball. And, yeah, and, no. and if he's got an opportunity to make the catch, he's going to make the catch. So yeah. to me, that's where it's all about. And Ryan day, you know, that's his bread and butter. I don't know why we haven't seen more of that. I don't know why it was, it was all, you know, bubble screens and, and goofy ass tight end plays instead of just getting the ball to Harrison or a Mecca Buka. I mean, Buka had his drops in that game too, but um, that's, that's my, that's my game plan. I think that's where it's going to be most effective. I think chop will, will play a role. I do, uh, but I certainly wouldn't be scheming my offense around chop carrying the ball 40 times in this contest yeah i think best i agree with you most effective is going to be um you know marvin harrison route man marv getting the ball least effective is going to be anything they try to do in the running game so logic would dictate don't don't run the ball how about that uh, by the way this isn't okay so i'm going to include this as part of ask us anything but it's not a question and it's not like pertain you know pertaining to the the podcast but i get you know i'm as as a quote unquote member of the media, right? I, I get all of these Peach Bowl, you know, advisory emails and things like that. Uh just from the just from the, you know, the the media guys at like the Peach Bowl, other things involved. And I got an email that says it's it says uh there's a new mascot in town. The Peach Bowl introduces huddles. <laughs> It's first ever mascot. So what I did is I went to the, the I clicked on the more details uh, page as requested. Um, and so I am going to introduce everyone here to huddles, uh, the Peach Bowl Incorporated uh, newest team member. <laughs> huddles is an anthropomorphic green guy. Um, one eye is is blue. The other eye is red. And he's wears half of a football as a helmet. And he wears a uh, kind of, I guess, a football uniform and then no pants and then red shoes. And that's, you know, if you could envision any kind of like generic mascot, you pretty much have nailed huddles, but this is, uh, let me give you the story of huddles. Okay. Okay. So there's a story. Oh my God. There's, there's an extensive story, Andy. So <laughs> it's long. It's like, it's like literally like six or seven paragraphs. I'm going to try to cut it down as much as I can. So name huddles, Jersey, number 68. I'm sure that pertains to something related to peach bowl. I don't care. Uh, height about two and a half yards weight with or without pads. Oh, you card uh, birthday, <laughs> April 1st. School, Southern School of Horticulture and Groundskeeping, uh, major turf management with the minor community service. Okay. All right. So origin story. Somebody sat down and wrote this. And I swear to God, I am not, this is not something I wrote. I know somebody will listen to this and go, oh yeah, Johnny Getter's just, he's, he's pulling our chain. And by the way, I wish, I wish I would have thought of this. I'm, I'm so angry someone else got a chance to write this and get paid to do it. Anyway. In a dark corner of the Peach Bowl office, there's an infrequently used and dimly lit storage room. On the wall beside the door, a small placard identifies it only as Room 68. While not exactly forgotten, it seldomly had any visitors, and its heavy wooden door was opened and closed 
only when the bowl historian visited, adding a new treasure or memento to its cluttered and dusty shelves. All right, I'm going to ignore that paragraph because that's annoying. Um, <laughs> and that one too. All right, months passed. But one day in the summer of 2021, the bowl office finally reopened. The historian who had missed his visits to room 68 made it his first stop. And then he did a bunch of stuff, blah, blah, blah. God, this goes on a long time. A vibrant new energy grew with each team member's visit. Room 68 took on a warm, soft glow as fresh life was breathed into the artifacts, long relegated to its dark recesses. With his work complete, the historian turned off the lights and left Room 68 to join the first team meeting since their return. At the very moment the full team was finally back together for the first time, a brilliant light seeped out from within Room 68, filling every corner of the offices in that same worn glow. Then the door burst open, and there's like an MS Paint of this mascot underneath that what stepped out into their circle was like nothing they had ever seen tall overly green and with a smile that was literally lighting up the entire room the thing slowly looked around meeting the gaze of each of the bewildered staff extended his arms and furry fingers and collapsed them together in a way that a quarterback would between plays what's that mean someone asked with immediate recognition and understanding the historian knew that this was a moment to celebrate the power of teamwork and he motioned for everyone to come closer, closing the circle more tightly. It means, he said with a wry smile, huddle up. Uh, there's also some like likes and dislikes here. Um, likes teammates, tail makes tailgates and giving back, dislikes solitaire, uh, favorite meal, 30 count Chick-fil-A nugget tray. Great. Heck yeah. Um, uh, what in say? seven hells? Hang on a second. Favorite movie, It's a Wonderful Life, Friday Night Lights. Favorite Atlanta landmark, College Football Hall of Fame. All right. Yeah. Hero slash idol, Martin Luther King Jr. Okay. Bobby Dodd. Okay, but he's a he's a mascot for a bowl game. That seems, I don't know. Anyway, Bobby Dodd and George Crumbly. Uh, hobbies, volunteering, lawn care, hanging out with friends, watching football, period, golf, period. Catchphrase, huddle up. Are you interested in booking huddles for your event or gathering? Email us. No, I'm not interested. I'm sorry. Sorry, I'm sorry. This your your 700 word introduction to this mascot did not 700 words. So, maybe maybe light. Yeah. Well, apparently there's like an introductory video that I haven't actually watched yet. Oh, so I don't my. know if. Oh God, it's in a Dropbox. Jesus, it's gonna give me like it's gonna give me a virus. Um, you you know I I pulled up the picture after you started describing him. So huddles looks like the like looks like the philly fanatic yeah but born but but with like a normal cartoon character head like a right like it's like the philly fanatic if it was like a 50 year old dad yeah i mean it's at first i was like oh they're trying to do gritty but like it's not it's too generic to be gritty it and it's like a smiling cartoon character face on the philly fanatic body uh Number one, the most obvious question is, why did the Peach Bowl need a mascot? And two, why is it not related to, I don't know, peaches? Um, That's actually a really good point. I, I, I mean, Wait a minute. The Orange Bowl had like a literal orange, didn't it? I, well, I'm sure. Let's go with that. I don't know. Well, this is why, why, why do it? I mean, the Rose Bowl doesn't need Rosie the rose or something out there trotting or maybe the rose bowl has a mascot i don't know number one so you have said for years and i think you're right that these bowls are just um, a, a tool for laundering money 
And yeah. uh, I, I, this isn't a great example of, hey, we need, just needed to pay some consultants because we needed to burn some cash. Oh, my God. You're right. I, I haven't seen anything this ridiculous since Ohio State paid large sums of money to have somebody fill in the athletic logo with a Sharpie. Oh, my God. They paid them. They didn't pay them just large. They paid them specifically, I think, $30,000, I believe, was the actual amount, which is very funny to me <laughs> that a consulting firm literally used the, you know, the paint fill tool and got yeah, tens yeah. of thousands of dollars yeah. in response. Yeah, we got this for you guys. I This is, yeah, this is super dumb. Um, super, super dumb. No, it's great. How dare you besmirch the great name of Huddles? And you know what? Well, of course, not... I mean, apparently, apparently, other bulls do have mascots. Yeah, but uh, but 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 looking at this, so I I found us an article here, um, uh, USAToday.com, ranking the uh, creepiest 22, uh, 2022 college bull mascots. Uh, they said the creepiest was the potato bowl mascot, which is and and to its credit. To its credit, potato. is a giant anthropomorphic potato. So I got that's the best I, one. I, I respect that. Uh, Tubby the Mayo Bowl mascot. It's a giant jar of Duke's real mayonnaise with, like you you know the version of Brutus that has like the serial killer eyes. Yeah, like from the '60s or whatever. Yeah, yeah, that yeah. they basically took those eyes and some giant Borat eyebrows and put them on that a rules. jar of mayonnaise. Uh, so I got no hate on that. That's fine. There is uh, Prince Chedward, the Cheez-It Bowl mascot, and he's like a cheese-headed toy soldier prince-looking deal. Okay, whatevs. You do you. At least it's related to your bowl. Jimmy Camel. <laughs> Did Jimmy Kimmel name the L.A. Bowl? I missed that memo. Um, but there is Jimmy Camel. It was the mascot for the Jimmy Kimmel L.A. Bowl, which is apparently a yeah. thing. I totally did not know that was a thing. You know what? Um, mascot should either be like horrifying or absurd or both. But if they're boring, then they are not doing their jobs. Like well, and then the last one, which I you know, I think is great, you know, Spirit, the Fiesta Bowl mascot. And I can't believe I forgot about that one. Um, he's been around for a while. He's basically like, you know, the fire sunhead um demon looking thing oh yeah i, I remember I, that one. I remember that one from previous yeah previous yeah um, yeah that one's excellent because it's it is it is definitely horrifying i mean that yeah one's great. It, that's especially when they like because they had one year i think when its eyes were basically just like all black and they, they yeah. made it just look like some kind of demon yeah um but uh yeah that one's a good one that, yeah that's, that's a legit good mascot um uh, huddles here they, they it loses on every Every oh yeah, here somebody makes a good point. Um, I was trying to figure out why huddles look so familiar. Um, Red Sox, you, you know, have the Wally the Green Monster. It's yeah. it's the same, it's the same, it's the same guy. It's there the you same go. Guy. It's just the same. <laughs> it's just moonlighting. Just, I mean, he looks like it, a he looks like a giant, on. he just looks like a your random, you know, there's like random generic Muppets in the background of any Muppet. <laughs> it's, yeah. it's just like Jim Henson had this thing laying around, right. They're like, oh, you want a mascot here? Sure, we'll loan you out uh, Fritz. This one, yeah, it's Fritz. Let's rename him Huddles, and away we go. There you go. Absolutely uh, last, sorry, last uh, last email here. This is from a good friend, Alvin, who simply wants to know, wants to know simply, who, in your opinion, is the most likable non-Ohio State, excuse me, non-Buckeye college athlete of all time? Of all time. Because the most likable uh, college athlete of all time is, is – uh, like Archie Griffin. He's, yeah, yeah, he's incredibly like. Yeah, he's literally the nicest human I've ever met. Yeah, um, very hard to dislike Archie Griffin, especially given his you know meaning to college 
sports history in general. Yeah, yeah, this is tough. Um, huh. I don't know if I have any like strong feelings of non Ohio like, State players that I'm like, oh, I just love. You know, so here's so. the thing. There are a couple dudes. There are some guys um, who are like flash in the pan, right? Where you're like, like Owen Schmidt. You remember Owen Schmidt? No. The, the West Virginia player where he was in a bowl game about, I don't know, 15 years ago. And the famous call for him was he was a fullback and he, he was used pretty prominently um, in the running game. And uh, he had this really long run in, in one of their bowls. And the the call was like an, he was like a runaway beer truck. And so, and that really was a, just maybe the most apt descriptor of That's any. Funny. Um, That's a great yeah, line. Of any, yeah. Um, of any, uh, of any uh, football player that I've ever heard. Um, but like, you know, a lot of times you'll, I don't know, you'll, you'll see that you'll see guys like that uh and go okay that guy's awesome i love that story but like a sustained you know what i mean like a sustained guy where every time you see him on the field i think sometimes that's hard because you're just like i don't know you you don't really have that same kind of like affinity however i will say this i do have one exception to that where there is one guy that i always rooted for and he's a michigan player um but and really i guess i could say two of these guys and and one was because i disrespect him you know just getting the hell beat out of him on a regular basis and that was uh you know Darren robinson who i know people made fun of him for like september heisman and all that kind of stuff but like yeah. he took an inordinate amount of punishment <laughs> in his michigan career and another guy who took a ton of punishment and was like super classy and i think everybody on any team that you know he was on or who was playing him respected was devin gardner Mm-hmm. um who was a dude like i a lot of you know ohio state fans will say that because he had that moment with jt barrett where he you know w- went over while he was injured and and you know basically comfort him and everything will go like everybody will go okay well that guy because of that you know he's he's a good guy but honestly even absent that um he was just a guy who always seemed i don't know super classy a good dude played his absolute ass off in every game even in in losing efforts i mean just absolutely no give up to that dude he was definitely a uh an opponent i think you know as an ohio state fan that i respected a lot and um he went through a lot as a player too he, he definitely took a lot of punishment a lot of hits oh, so yeah, i yeah. think devin gardner is probably that would be really high up on the list for me i i thought of one as as uh, as you were talking about this i and, and this is a a heisman trophy winner uh you know so great great player uh, in his own right. And, and that is, uh, Steve Spurrier. Okay. <laughs> One of my favorite characters in, in, uh, in OBC. college football history. Yes, exactly. Like if there's a guy that every time he opened his mouth, like something gold came out, you know? Yeah. But, and, and so since, since the qualifier was an athlete, I, I don't remember him as an athlete. He I did win a Heisman, but, but did win a Heisman, uh, the 1966 Heisman. But, but one of my favorite all time uh, characters in college football, hating ass Steve Spurrier guy was guy's a legend. Yeah. So there's my answer. How's that? <laughs> yeah, I think that's fair. All right. So that's ask us anything. Keep sending those in. We'll keep answering them. And I, I really appreciate it. All right. Time to, time to put our money where our mouth is so to speak where the rubber meets the road and that is to make our predictions for the peach bowl ohio state versus georgia the prohibitive favorite to win it all defending national champions we've we've given the breakdown earlier in the program put some numbers on it johnny how do you think this one plays out 
Um, you know, I think Ohio State comes out. They they try. You know, they have their scripted first. Pl- you know, uh, scripted first series looks good. I think they do pretty well. Maybe they even score a touchdown on the first one. But then after that, I think they get stymied. Um, it's just not consistent. I don't think they're consistent enough to beat Georgia. I think you'll look at something where Ohio State gets 24 points, maybe 27. Uh, but Georgia is just going to, I think, eat them alive with their tight ends. And eventually it just it, I think what you'll see is something that looks really similar to the mission games and some mission game in some ways. Um, not necessarily with the running game from Georgia, but with their their passing game. Sets and minutes really good. A lot of people don't understand that. He's been good. He wasn't a Heisman finalist out of pity this year. Um, I know I know people kind of treat him like he's this lost little puppy that Kirby Smart found and decided to let him, you know, play football. But he's not. He's a really good player. Um, so I think it's going to end up something like 35, 24, 35, 27, uh, Georgia. Yeah. And, and I think I'm with you in terms of like the total score there. That feels, that feels right. Uh, if you look at SP plus, which I always do, uh, on a neutral field would, would give, um, Georgia about a five point advantage over Ohio state. Uh, this is not a neutral field. This is going to feel like a home game for Georgia. So that'd yep. make it maybe more like an eight point advantage. So I think current lines are, are probably not terrible, um, in terms of what you would realistically expect. I, I think this is an opportunity for Ohio state to exercise its demons, uh, get its poop in a group, get things in the back on the right side of the ledger. I feel like a guy like CJ Stroud is playing for his legacy here as an Ohio state Buckeye. Uh, I feel like a guy like mine Williams is going to be chomping at the bit to, to come back and, uh, and, and, and perform the way he was performing earlier in the season, fresh back from injury. Uh, I, I feel like Marvin Harrison jr. Is going to be the focal point of the game plan and that they are going to go back to that offensive identity of of putting route man marv in position to make insane catches and score touchdowns uh and so i'm going to go with something like 35 ohio state uh let's call it 32 georgia 35 32 all right i you know what i would love to be wrong i would absolutely love ohio state especially since they would likely play michigan national championship which would just be (laughs) I don't know what I could compare that to in my life. <laughs> I feel <laughs> like the universe owes people that game. I, I think that's the game everyone in America really wants to see is Ohio State versus Michigan for all the marbles. Uh, that, that the would rematch be to end all rematches. That would be mind boggling. And I am so hoping it happens because yeah. no matter how it plays out, that would be absolutely bonkers. So I, yes, I'm like, going to speak it into existence. That's the way it's going to come down. All right. Yeah, we'll, let's do it. We'll be here next week to recap whatever happens. Win, lose, or draw, we'll be there. We know you will be as well. Until then, I'm Andy. I'm Johnny. Thanks for joining us on the 11 Dubcast.